the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back this Friday, April 8th, 2022, as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour show. It's a delight to welcome back George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president at Data Orbital Consulting. We have him on every Friday to get us through this election year. George, I hope you're doing well. Happy Friday, sir. Happy Friday to you. Always a good time to end the week uh, talking with you, Seth. Nice, nice of you to say. I feel the same way. Thank you, George. George, a couple issues I want to talk to you about and how politicians might think about them, how candidate well, candidates is a better word, how candidates might think about them and how the public is receiving them. I mean, it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin, if you will. Let me start first with uh, the the hot issue of these, I don't know what you want to call them, children's wars, transgender children's wars, uh, sexualization of children's wars, the debate about what Florida's doing, Alabama. Arizona did it somehow slipped under the radar about a year ago. I don't know. I don't know why everyone got so mad at DeSantis, but we kind of, we did it a little more, uh, I don't know, stealthily or what have you. But Jen Psaki yesterday doubled down on 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 what Joe Biden did on March 31st, which was release a huge government report and put out a huge statement on everything he is going to energize the federal government on and working on transgender issues for children. Jen Psaki got mad at Republicans from the podium yesterday, saying that they're they're while they're while they're focusing on pushing back against this stuff, they're ignoring kitchen table issues, which drives me insane. They start the war. We push back. We're the problem for pushing back and avoiding yeah. kitchen table issues. They put out a 20-page fact sheet energizing the entire federal government on this stuff. But, you know, we're the ones avoiding kitchen table issues. How is this going to play out? With the, What is the public thinking of this? Are the Democrats, are Disney and all that that's representing, George, are they a fast-moving train heading towards a massive granite wall or are they onto something? Uh, I mean, look, every poll uh, that I've ever seen on this, stuff that we've done, stuff that others have done, focus group work, Arizona, across the country, shows that on the lion's share of these cultural issues, on the lion's share of things related to children and a lot of these transgender stuff, the Democrats aren't onto something uh, because the Republican Party is clearly in one camp. Um, the Democratic Party is clearly in the other, but a majority of independents actually give us Republicans, right? Uh, and I think it's really rich, as you said, uh, not only did they start the conversation and have literally single-handedly drug our country into a topic area that we do not need to be talking about right. because no one should be talking about right. grooming our kids and doing all that. Right. Uh, we're actually talking about these kitchen table issues that they have caused also, mind you. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's, it's ironic all around. Uh, but that's the, you know, they're, they're I, I had always thought of them as like almost master PR folks. I really think they're just keep blundering into stuff and they can't help themselves. Uh, and it just keeps getting, like I said, and I've said this many times on your show, it, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse every time they open their mouth and every time she has a press conference. Do you think they are aiming towards, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is a lemming instinct or a post-election talking point instinct. I mean, do you think they're looking towards a massive defeat in November 
whereas then they can trot out uh, bigotry, racism, deplorable talking points all over again. I mean, it's a very, very odd and narrow thing, it seems to me, that they are putting so much energy and attention on, and not just energy and attention on, but defending it. I mean, sometimes, you've seen this, I'm sure, candidates and political leaders, office holders even, will will float something, maybe say something, maybe it was advisable at the time, maybe it was inadvisable. The pushback will be so great, they'll abandon it. The smart ones abandon it. Mm -hmm. They're not. And yeah. I just wondering, yeah. I'm just wondering if um, they're trying to set up a post-election rhetorical strategy or what. I don't know, or if it's they really, really are holding on by a thread to their progressive base, or they think it's what needs to be groomed as well. Sorry to use that word in that sense, but I, you see what I'm getting. I, it just, if you have political consultants, and they do, it, it just doesn't seem like the right strategy unless they're looking yeah. at something we're not. Yeah, I, I think it's twofold. One, I genuinely believe, and, and I, every day sort of my thought on this continues to sort of mature and expand, uh, they're, they're true believers. I think the lion's share of people that open their mouths and, yeah, sure, we talk about the progressive base, but, you know, we're really looking at the world through two different, not just lenses, we're almost even looking at two different worlds. So I really think that they're true believers. And so whatever political implications that there are, I think there's enough people in leadership in the Democratic Party that just would disagree with you and I on, on just basic tenets and principles that we have always actually been on the same page on. So I think that's first first off. Uh -huh. Second off, uh, I think that they did very well, right? This last election, they were able to be successful in saying, like, oh, my God, look at all the division that the, the Republicans are causing. We're going to be the ones to unify you. I was at a, an event for Senator Arizona Policy. Ben Shapiro was out here, and he said something along those lines, right? Like, the Democrats promised a whole litany of things. Shapiro was saying this, mm -hmm. and they've literally failed at every single aspect of it. And um, and so when they do that, I think that they have to try to cause more division to then try to somehow, even though they're causing it, blame the division on us mm -hmm. and then say, OK, well, they're the ones that are going to solve that. Right. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's partly I think what you're saying. It's preemptive relative to the election. Mm -hmm. But I just also really think that they're just they're true believers here. And um and there's an incongruence with what they believe and what they want for the world and for our country and what we believe and what we want for the world and our country is starting to really, you know, I mean, again, we, we know the data on here. I don't know that we've ever been farther apart. And um, and I think that they know that. And so they're trying to use that division that they caused to paint it back on us so that they can try to, quote unquote, solve it. Uh, come election day. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I just had one more thought while you were giving that answer. George, that I wonder if this could be a part of it. I mean, I don't know if there's any way to know, but it's it's speculative and possible. You know, on a lot of these culture wars, as we call them, uh, and 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 we can call them, you know, family relationships, uh, individual relationships, relationships that get the countenance of the state to approve. Uh, abortion laws, abortion, um, abortion uh, liberalism. On a lot of these cultural issues, they were victorious. Interestingly, using the courts in most cases, not what the people voted for, right? Using the courts. Um, because as I recall, when these debates were really hot in the 90s, particularly on the cultural issues then, you know, there were, there were initiatives across various, uh, about, across various parts of the country, Colorado and Hawaii, elsewhere. The people were not down with it, but the courts were. The courts were liberal enough to overturn the will of the people. And then, 
And then, you know, the country kind of adjusted to that. And the left thought maybe they won these culture wars, which weren't initially popular at the beginning, but they just kept their foot on the accelerator. I wonder if they might see this issue, this transgender child stuff the same way. I just wonder. I wonder. Kitanji uh, uh, Brown uh, Jackson would be, you know, a Supreme Court justice who's hip and down with all that. And maybe that's the thinking there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think that they do think that by attrition and over time, uh, they're going to get there. I think there are some differences in look. I don't, you know, I haven't spent some of these are like you're talking like long term, you know, multi-decade type studies and looking at data. Um, but I, I don't know that we're seeing the same kind of cultural shifts as we're seeing today. I mean, if anything, that it's, it's going actually, it's getting worse and worse for them. The other thing that's very interesting, because we know the world isn't seen in a vacuum, right? You know, like like for every uh, action is a reaction. Um, they may just, uh, like, it's like a, it could be just be a bridge too far, right? So, I mean, some of the other stuff that they have said, yeah, we've gotten used to it, and who knows? The more that the world gets used to, the more that we get desensitized and so on and so forth. But some of the stuff that they're calling for has caused fissures that we've never seen. It's caused fissures in the feminist movement, where there's a group of ultra-feminists that are now going against you know, what what the other feminists are doing and, you know, on some of this women's sports stuff. You're seeing people like J.K. Rowling that are trying to be canceled. I mean, J.K. Rowling and some of these, you know, ultra-feminists, they're not conservatives, right? Um, I don't know that we saw as much of that in the life debates and things, you know, things like that. That could be a part of it. But, yeah, they probably think that long-term they're on the winning side of this issue. But there's a very specific difference here, in my opinion, on this issue than anything else. This has to do with children. Like, life had to do with kids, but had to do with, you know, they'll say it's a woman and her body. You know, let's say the marriage debates before, it was about two adults and what, you know, they'll say, well, what, what two consenting adults do is none of our business. But what kids are asked to do and what kids are being talked to is our business, right, as parents and as Americans. I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why they're making a miscalculation. It's about our kids. And, again, you want to see... Anyone worked up, talk to a mom in particular, or even a mom or a dad uh, that's being told that they, they have to raise their kids one way or not this other way. So I, I think that's the biggest difference in the miscalculation that they're doing. Nicely put. And, uh, and, and, and let's hope, too, on our side of this, as they were thinking, you know, the long march of history, which isn't as long as, as it, you know, as it otherwise should be, the long march of history that they think where time is on their side. Let's hope, too, that on our side, we've stopped ignoring it and letting it go and thinking that this isn't going to pan out over time. Because unless people on our side do push back and do take these slings and arrows, they're going to march forward. There's another there's another aspect to all of this, too, and it's this immigration debate recently, the Title 42 argument. Can I keep you another segment and talk to you about how that some of that how some of that is involved in some of the talking and some of the thinking you and I are engaging in on this election? Absolutely. I'm Seth Liebson. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. He's George Kailoff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president at Data Orbital Consulting. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kailoff is our guest. He's the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president at Data Orbital Consulting, best political analyst I have, uh, I have the pleasure of knowing. Uh, delighted he can join us uh, as he does on Fridays to walk us through the election year. George, um, I don't know that it should be considered 
a cultural issue, but it has become one, and maybe just everything that comes with it. Maybe, maybe not the wholesale issue, but the retail after effects or aftershocks of it, and that's the issue of immigration or illegal immigration. We did talk a little bit about Title Forty Two last week, but uh, talk to. Uh, here's an interesting thing. I was I was being I was on the other side of an interview. I was being interviewed by a radio host earlier in the week. And not based here. And he said, I guess in Arizona, you guys, what's the biggest issue on your show, Seth? You, you talk in immigration all the time. I said, actually, not really so much. Yes, occasionally the children's stuff has been more prominent on this show. People have been more concerned about that. But, George, the immigration thing does uh, 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 bother us here. It should. And, and we're right to be bothered by it. Uh, talk to me about how this fits into the whole conversation of culture wars. Talk to me about whether it is the issue itself or everything that comes with it. Uh, crime, perhaps, uh, illegal drugs, uh, you know, uh, trafficking of humans as well as drugs. Talk to me about how this immigration issue plays out in elections right now. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot to a lot to unpack here. Immigration is the number one issue right now amongst Republicans that vote in in Republican primaries. It's also the number one issue when you poll the entire general electorate, the Democrats, Republicans, and independents that are likely to vote in November. It's also the top issue there, but not by as wide of a margin as it is in the GOP primary. In the Republican primary, 50% of voters view immigration as their number one issue. Compare that to in the general election, a total of about 30% of voters do. The number two in both sets is the, the kitchen table issues. It's the jobs and the economy and the inflation and gas prices and all those um, you know, and all those fun things. I think that you, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, immigration writ large is a big deal. And yes, border security is a big deal. And obviously, immigration has long time been a talking point in Arizona from a federal perspective. The thing that I think is exceptionally critical for folks to remember, and I advise clients of ours that are running for the state legislature that don't really have uh, much to do and much ability to do on immigration, that immigration, uh, illegal immigration and porous borders cause our communities to be less safe because mm -hmm. fentanyl pours over the borders. Uh, you know, lax borders also cause uh, crime to go up. You pair that with the defund the police movement and, and police drops in the city of Phoenix and other places, and we're seeing homelessness and crime go through the roof. Uh, we have exceptionally lax smuggling laws here in the United States. I mean, there are, in Arizona, I should say, there's a lot of problems that come with it. And when we don't have a secure border, it's not even so much that we're talking about the same way that we used to, even though it still is. Yes, of course, we discuss what to do with, you know, those that come here young and should they get in-state tuition, DACA recipients, or what should we do, like I said, with border security. There are so many other ramifications now of, of the election, uh, of the immigration issue, sorry. And it's causing our communities to be less safe, and it's causing harm to our kids. We have opiates, and I know this is an issue that is very near and dear to your heart, and, and you know, in combating you know, uh, drug abuse and problems in our communities amongst our children, and it's a big problem, and it is made exceptionally, exceptionally worse, if not the biggest driving factor, the so, forced borders and our lax immigration laws. So when you talk to candidates or advise them, is that how you pitch it? Uh, yes, illegal immigration – but to win over the ba beyond the base to 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 evangelize evangelize beyond the base of people who are already with us probably you know conservative republicans in 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 the decisive respects 
you have to, you need to, you must talk about everything that comes with it, the aftershocks of everything, the drug use, the expenses, the crime. That's that's what you advise, right? And if we get there, if we do it there, we're probably closing in on not just a majority, but, you know, a, a, a pretty safe majority of people who would share those concerns with us, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Look, if you're if you're a woman, Republican, kids in the home, you live in Scottsdale, right? Like that's the epitome of this like suburban woman that was always, oh, my God, are Republicans ever going to win them again? Right. <laughs> and you hit them right. with parents' rights. Right. Obviously, we talk about that. But you don't think these individuals want a secure border, not because they're hard edge on immigration, but because of what it does to their kids and what it does to their communities and what it does, you know, pairing, pairing it up with the um you know, with the defund the police movement. And look, I mean, anytime we advise clients, and this is people, are, you know, we're not, no consultant's a magic worker. All that we do is like, look, we're passionate about issues. And there's a way to talk about these issues really poorly. <laughs> um, and there's a way to talk about these issues really well. And part of the way that we advise clients to navigate, you know, difficult primaries and going into the generals isn't by changing who they are, isn't by pretending to be someone that they're not. It's by talking about what they're passionate about um, in an appropriate manner and relative to those constituencies. The way that you talk to a base Republican voter in rural Arizona about immigration is going to be different than you talk to a suburban voter in Maricopa County. You're not changing your mind. You're just talking about it differently with the same end goal of safety and security, right? Everyone cares about safety and security. It just depends on what aspect of it they care more about. You know, George, it dawns on me too, and, and maybe this is something I, I'm happy to help you with or work with you on it, unless you already have all this and you can help me with it. But it dawns on me too when we talk about education. Um, there's a couple aspects to immigration and education as well. And first and foremost, you know, when we of our beliefs talk about education, we have one thing in mind, and it's you know about getting our children educated and educating in into citizenship into this country. When the left talks about it, it's about um, uh, typically it's about the expense and cost. You know, there's a huge drag of cost on our illegal immigration policies too. It may cost Arizona. My back of the envelope math is it may cost illegal immigrant. Immigration and educating illegal immigrant children in this in, in this state alone may cost about a billion bucks. Think about what that money could do for spending in education. That's something we may want to think about going forward too, and talking to people and trying to get those who believe in you know spending more money on education. We could probably recruit at least several uh, several tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on that if we got control of our border too. Boy, wouldn't the education system 100%. love tens of millions of dollars poured into it? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there are so many, so many byproducts, so many um, you know consequences of porous borders. Uh, you know, like again, we talked about security. But it's a hundred percent the cost of which, both for the federal government, for the state government, and education, and not even in education. I mean, why do you think we have a rampant homelessness? There's all right. kinds of reasons right. that we have rampant homelessness. But part of it is because of you know substance abuse. We yep. know that, and drug abuse in particular. We yep. know drugs are pouring over our borders. But part of it is as well that if you come here and you don't have a way to you know, to sustain yourself, that's a big problem. And then the Biden administration has done everything in their power, right, like Title 42, to roll back any amount of basic protections that, as we discussed last week, that even members of his own party are pushing back on. This isn't like, you know, this isn't some off-the-charts thing. And, and look, immigration, and I've said this a lot of times to different groups that I speak at, when immigration is the number one issue and top of mind, Republicans always do better because voters trust Republicans to manage that issue better than Democrats. That's the bottom line. That is a good bottom line. That's that's a great takeaway. George Kaloff, until next Friday, thank you, sir. God bless you. Godspeed. Really appreciate you very much.
Thanks, Seth. You betcha. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, Bill, is that Rico Kasich? And, and is it, yeah, it is, right? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, good. Of course, that would have been the better way <laughs> to say yes. Sorry. It's Friday. We I get a little... little it's, is it 80? Is it 80? Am I down to 80? All right. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. How are you, sir? I am excellent, Seth. How's things on that side? You betcha. It's a Friday. We're in a good mood. There we go. I'd kind of like to uh, make a comment about the Katanji Brown-Jackson yeah. uh, nomination and sure. voting. Yeah. And also uh, kind of tie it into a couple other things, some stuff that's going on. Uh, several years ago, there was this quote-unquote militia group up in Michigan called uh, the Hatari. Uh, they were arrested and stuff. They like to dress up in camouflage clothes and go out in the forest and shoot guns and stuff. They were found not guilty. Uh, the Bundys, remember, with in Nevada, and they went Bundy, up to yeah. Oregon. Uh-huh. Yep, and then they were found not guilty. And now these guys over here in Michigan with this plot to kidnap the governor, yeah. uh, it's been thrown out, and the people have been found guilty. And it always seems to be these are so-called the right-wing, anti-government, militia groups. And every time it seems to come up here within the last, I don't know, those last three that I just mentioned, they're all that way. Now, the deal with uh, the child porn in Katanji uh, Jackson Brown, because she's already running on empty, uh, she had sentenced those people to below the sentencing guidelines. Now, one of the things that drove the Bundys up there in Oregon with that BLM stuff, there was a father and son, Hammond. They were ranchers. They had burned, cleared some uh, of the brush on their ranch, and the fire got a little out of control. It went over the, the BLM, but it wasn't really that very much. And when they were taken to court by the BLM and charged with damage and government property, uh, the, they were found guilty. They admitted that they had started the fire, but they were sentenced, I mean, like it was like a five-year sentence, and they got like two years below the sentencing guidelines. And then one of the things that had driven the Bundys up there to take up their cause, that was part of it, and the BLM, was because then these Hammonds, they had been sent a letter that they were supposed to report back to prison to finish up their sentence that because of the sentencing guidelines that they somehow slipped out of and weren't didn't full up fulfill their prison terms. So I'm wondering if these people that were sentenced by Jackson Brown that uh, because she sentenced them to below the sentencing guidelines, are these people going to be rounded up and sent back to prison hmm. to fulfill their hmm. the guidelines? Well, I yeah, you've put a lot there, Mike, and I remember the Whitmer thing when it broke, and I have to tell you, uh, when when was that uh, alleged attack? Was that was that in 2020? I think it was in 2020, wasn't it? When the yeah, alleged I think attack? it was. Yeah, yes. it was definitely I, during COVID. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I I recall reading that two of the leaders' political views were anything but what you would call conservative. 
uh, two of the quote unquote leaders of that effort were, you know, they were into the vegetarian thing and they were into the global warming thing. It, it just it didn't strike me as as the kind of thing that 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 most conservatives or right wingers, even if you want to use the phrase the media uses, uh, they they weren't. One our problem <laughs> it looked like it was a problem on the left, if anything, and then a lot of other stuff has come out on it since, of course, too, involving the issues that you were pointing out with entrapment. Here's 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 the flag I want to kind of put down and 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 warn people about, Mike. And you tell me if I'm onto something or not. The head of uh, Homeland Security today gave a speech and. It could have been it could have been any given speech on any given day because he says the same thing. But I noticed he did it again today talking about the greatest threat in America is white supremacy. It's the greatest threat to America are white supremacists. And nothing bears that out except Democratic Party rhetoric. Nothing bears that out except, you know, the talking points they keep circulating. I mean, if you look at the statistics, for example, uh, if you do any of the research on, you know, hate crimes, which is where you would first start if you're talking about violence from white supremacists, um, the numbers don't even come close, not even the same ballpark as the kinds of crimes we have to deal with from just one issue. Call it illegal immigrants, the kinds of crimes, the violent crimes that are waged by it. It doesn't even come close. I think all of this is very distracting and it's very, very easy to find these groups with names that no one in the earshot of this radio had ever heard of until the media makes a thing of them, as if we are represented by them or they represent us. They don't. Their motives are highly mixed, highly mixed. You can't pinpoint their political ideology to anything. And I just say resist, resist, resist. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, the good folks at Balance of Nature. They are good folks. They're working on a project with us. We'll tell you more about later once we get it solidified that's going to be helpful uh, not only to, as they are, your physical health, but to our public health on teaching American history. Really cool. We'll, we'll get to that at some point soon once we get it uh, all tied up in a bow for you. But let me just say about their fruits and veggies for your physical health, you're not going to do better than that. 100% natural using vine-ripened produce, third-party tested for bacteria, pesticides, heavy metals. Of course, balance of nature's fruits and veggies are gluten-free, non-GMO, no added chemicals, sugars, or anything else. You just take it once a day in the capsules. They reduce the fruits and veggies too using their unique cold press process to maintain all the nutrients. It's a great product that has kept my immunity boosted and kept me healthy and energized and helps with your body and its natural repair uh, as well. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. Check them out. You won't regret it and you're not going to need to wait weeks to see the results either. Think about what it means to be putting a blend of uh, 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables into your body on a daily basis. Yeah, you're not going to need weeks to see that benefit. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I wanted to say one other thing about what Jen Psaki and President Biden have been spending a lot of time on since March 31st, since March 31st, just a little bit over a week, almost 10 days now, and that's the transgender and children issue. Uh, 
I'll say one more thing about it. Beware the next use, and I should say abuse, of the invocation of science. Beware of it. Be careful of it. You saw what it did to this country and the world for going on more than two years in respect to COVID, the use, misuse and abuse of science. Watch out for it here. For when Jen Psaki says, as she did yesterday, quote, to be clear, boy, you know, it's these predicates they set up with that immediately should set should should send out red flags and sirens and alarms. It's the equivalent of what Joe Biden does at the end of the sentence. Jen Psaki does at the beginning. To be clear is her beginning. That's her predicate. His suffixes are the things to be careful for. For example, period. When he says period, you know, yeah, no joke. That's the other one. I was actually thinking there's another one. It's that one. No joke. And then there's a third one. You know the third one? There's a third one. It's an abuse of the language, actually. More than anything else, literally, literally, literally. He literally misuses that term all the time. In any event, when Jen Psaki said yesterday, as she did, quote, to be clear, every major medical association agrees that gender affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life saving, close quote. All right. Let me go back to Abigail Schreier because they're going to overwhelm you with this stuff. They are going to try to overwhelm you with this stuff. There is, in fact, no proof that affirmative care improves the mental health of a gender dysphoric youth long term, much less that its interventions are life saving. As mentioning earlier, there's an outstanding recent paper. If you go to Abigail Schreier's uh, piece at Substack on this, she has a hyperlink to it. An outstanding recent paper in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy that is only the latest to expose the poor empirical basis for these statements with regard to. To minors. It's a must-read paper for any policymaker, parent, or psychologist grappling with this fraught question. The authors state, as if with a sigh, quote, The evidence underlying the practice of pediatric gender transition is widely recognized to be of very low quality, close quote. Okay? Okay? Match that with what... Jen Psaki said. Jen Psaki said every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. The research shows, quote, the evidence underlying the practice of pediatric gender transition is widely recognized to be of very low quality, close quote. Abby Schreier says activists often exaggerate the suicide risk to gender dysphoric minors, as well as the mental health efficacy of these treatments in order to coerce parents into acceding to the interventions. But as the authors of this study point out, quote, the transition or suicide narrative falsely implies that transition will prevent suicide. That's what they want you to believe, Bill. That's what they would have you believe, right? The transition helps prevent suicides. Let me give you the authors of this study. Quote, neither hormones nor surgeries have been shown to reduce suicidality in the long term, close quote. That's it. They don't show that. It's kind of like what I want you to be aware of, folks, in other fields. I've noticed this, gosh, for decades now, when um, in an area I know a little bit, I'm, I'm learning a lot about this and getting to learn more about this, but in an area I knew a little bit more about for many years had to do with issues of prevention, addiction, and recovery. And one of the things I started noticing and it had me scratching my head was certain uh, certain treatment organizations, institutions and facilities 
would brag about or promote these high success rates, high success rates. I mean, you know, things that just made no sense to someone who knew this issue, you know, 60 percent, 70 percent, 80 percent success rates in recovery from the addiction once they go through our program or our treatment center or our facility. None of that is long term. That's an easy number to reach if you check in with select individuals, by the way, not random samples and not wholesale samples, but select individuals, oh, three months after they leave. Oh, four months after they leave. Oh, yes, we do follow-ups for six months and our data shows 80% success. Yeah, give me, give me a year and a half. Give me a year. Same thing is happening right here. Let me give you the study again. Neither hormones nor surgeries have been shown to reduce suicide, suicidality, suicidality in the long term. Long term. It's easy to get the numbers you want if you check in with someone six months to a year after a major process like this. I'm not working on kids and I'm not trying to help kids for a year. I'm trying to help them forever. I'm trying to help. How did Neil Postman put it? Children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. That's how he put it. We're talking about their whole lives. Their whole lives. Because they're talking about their lives. Abby Well, Abby Yeah. Let me take a break and tell you what Arielle Davidson has to say about this. She's going to be our guest coming right up. Gosh, she is a force of nature. Ariel Davidson will be on about this. Let me tell you what she's tweeting. This is someone who, what's the word I want? She instructs us on what political courage is. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. I must have been in a uh, some uh, an Eddie Money mood <laughs> when we got today's list of music uh, put into the uh, music machine, bumper machine. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. One, two last points on on Jen Psaki and 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 the war on our children and transgenderism. Um, Abby Schreier concludes that the Biden administration would peddle. That the Biden administration would peddle an activist talking point with no solid factual basis signals how desperate it is to please the radical flank of its supporters. This is too bad. Leaders who mollycoddle the activists quietly corrupting nearly every institution of American life fool themselves that they are merely paying a tax. They don't realize it's a ransom and that those who demand it will never be satisfied until they have despoiled every American institution. And much worse in this case, they encourage irreversible harm to our children. Using our children again, using the children again to play out adult political games. Here's Arielle Davidson. She's going to be with us at the top of the next hour. She tweeted, only an ill society normalizes the mutilation of children and then phrases it as benevolent. Only an ill society normalizes the mutilation of children and then phrases it as benevolent. Children turn to adults for guidance. And many in our society have decided to buck this responsibility by leading kids into an abyss of irreversible and bad decisions. 
We have a phenomenon of teen girls increasingly interested in chopping their breasts off, and not one person in the Democratic Party is saying something is wrong. Not one. Something is very wrong here. Instead, we have Jen Psaki saying adults who resist this now federal crusade of mutilation will be punished. That's exactly what Jen Psaki said yesterday. The DOJ is coming after you if you resist this. They're coming after the states. They're coming after the governors. They're coming after the folks. Well, just remember what the Surgeon General did three weeks ago, putting out a public request for people to report to him where they're getting misinformation on COVID. How long do you think that list is at this point? Put me on it if you want. I know what I say is to them misinformation, even though it turned out to be more accurate than what they were putting out. They're going to do the same thing here. Yeah, no, they do not stop, and they are not going to stop until and unless we stop them. They'll yell at us for doing it. They'll call us names for doing it. And you know what? We'll be protecting civility, society, and, yeah, you bet. Go back to my monologue, Civilization. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.